Welcome to Read This Next with Laura and Nicole from the Thunder Bay Public Library. Today we are talking about our staff's favorite books, our co-workers' favorite novels. Yes, we're taking a break from talking about ourselves. <laughs> we're going to share other people's favorites just for a change, mixing it up a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've mentioned it before, like uh, our interests don't cover everything. And it's important to keep in mind what other people like. So you're going to get a ver- wide, a wide variety of <laughs> yes, books definitely. in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Just a real mix. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get started then. Our our first one is Ragged Company by Richard Wagamis. Um, and the cover is, I feel like they probably have up- updated the cover since making it. It looks kind of old. I... It does. I know like the old look of the theater is on purpose. Like the ragged, that part is, so I'm not sure. It's think, I think it's supposed to help set atmosphere. Get you in the mood before you start. Okay. That's right. All right. Well, here's the description. Four chronically homeless people, Amelia One Sky, Timber, Double Dick, and Digger seek refuge in a warm movie theater when a severe Arctic front descends on the city. During what is supposed to be a one-time event, this temporary refuge transfixes them. They fall in love with this new world, and once the weather clears, continue their trip to the cinema. On one of these outings, they meet Granite, a jaded and lonely journalist who has turned his back on writing the same story over and over again. In favor of the escapist qualities of film, and an unlikely friendship is struck. A found cigarette package, contents, some unsmoked cigarettes, three $20 bills, and a lottery ticket, changes the fortune of the struggling set. The ragged company discovers that they have won $13.5 million. Whoa. That's a big deal. But none of them can claim the money for lack of proper identification. Mm. Enlisting the help of Granite, their lives and fortunes become forever changed. Ragged Company is a journey into both the future and the past. Richard Wagamese is definitely, nope, (laughs) deftly explores the nature of the comforts these friends find in their ideas of home as he reconnects them to their histories. Sounds really good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It does. And I think this one's in our... Uh, Indigenous Knowledge Center as it well. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is also a favorite of one of our librarians as well. Oh, nice. We've got, it's a yeah. double favorite. It's a double fave. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe what we can do is this episode. So for those who don't know, we have different levels of staff in the library, like job title wise. So the people polled for this episode were uh, community hub technicians. And maybe we could do another episode with the librarians. We certainly could, although there's there's much less, there's there's uh, fewer librarians. Um, so they might have to give us like two top faves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it work. We can make it work. Okay. Yeah, that's Ragged Company. Our next book <laughs> is one that is such a big favorite of the staff <laughs> member who likes this book that they that I re- I ended up reading it because of them. And Nicole says she doesn't have to read it because she's heard all about it. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> the entire plot. I don't need to read it. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> this is a book called Timekeeper. It's book one in a trilogy um, by Tara Sim. And 
it is uh, it's a it's a delightful little tale. Anyway, so here's the description: an alternate Victorian world controlled by clock towers, where a damaged clock can fracture time, and a destroyed one can stop it completely. A prodigy mechanic who can repair not only clockwork but time itself, determined to rescue his father from a stopped town. A series of mysterious bombings that could jeopardize all of England. A boy who would give anything to relive his past and one who would give anything to live at all. A romance that will shake the very foundations of time. <sighs> a lot of nice, <laughs> really broad, big ideas. Um, it, is a, it is an LGBTQ story. That romance is a delightful romance between two young men. <laughs> It's um, steampunky, definitely. This alternate history, the world building is really detailed and well thought out. So if you're into that sort of thing, in a weird way, it kind of reminds me actually of um, a Jasper Ford book. Not one of his Thursday next ones. His one about colors. I feel, I can't remember the name, but I'll have to look it up later. I'll insert but, it below. <laughs> I'll insert it below, yes. Um, but it reminds me of that a little bit in a way. So if you if you enjoyed that um, of Jasper Ford's, check it out. This one isn't, it's not funny like Jasper Ford, but the world building, I feel like it has some similarities. Uh, yeah, it's, it is a good one. I've read it through. Satisfying, satisfying ending. Lots of, you know, each, each book in the trilogy, it builds out in new and exciting ways rather than kind of sticking within just one era, new characters get introduced, the world gets built outwards. That's awesome. It is, uh, it is a good time. And it's a completed trilogy, right? Like you can- Yes, it is. You don't have to be like our coworker who had to order the copies in advance and patiently, wait. not so patiently wait for it. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> our next one is Preludes and Nocturnes, which is the first graphic novel in the Sandman series. Um, and I believe it's classified as a uh, adult graphic novel not a yes. YA yeah so this is mm, I struggle with his name every time Neil Gaiman 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 see I always want to say guy because there's the I in there and I want to be like Gaia but it's probably I, I believe it's Neil Gaiman I did see him answer a question on Tumblr once where they were like the person wrote to him and was like how can you call yourself Neil Gaiman when you're not a gay man <laughs> well that'll keep it in my mind right and then he was like so sorry just how it is <laughs> so I always I always think of that exchange he's one of the few authors who like regularly engages first of all on tumblr mm -hmm. <laughs> and then secondly very randomly one-on-one -on -one directly with readers anyway, I love that yeah okay so Neil Gaiman <laughs> not a gay man uh he wrote this series so I have not read it but uh let me see okay so this is oh this first part is not really a description okay so Gaiman uh created an unforgettable tale of the forces that exist beyond life and death by weaving ancient mythology folklore and fairy tales with his own distinct narrative vision in precludes and nocturnes an occultist attempting to capture death to bargain for eternal life traps her younger brother dream instead also death is a lady love that after his 70 year imprisonment and eventual escape dream also known as morpheus goes on a quest for his lost objects of power on his arduous journey morpheus encounters lucifer john constantine and an all-powerful madman yeah 
this also a complete series came out a while back but still yeah definitely like a big name on the graphic novel canon certainly I would say um yeah Gaiman's he's also written prose books and which you might have read before and not realize that he did graphics too Mm -hmm. it's uh yeah just really when people um kind of deride graphic novels and comic books as not being real reading this is one of those ones that you could like shove into their hands and be like look just look at this tell me this isn't reading (laughs) yeah like you know every every second page or every page has all sorts of um you know allusions to different literary ideas and historical figures and he's referencing yeah like the mythology and folklore everything's coming together in this whole swirl of ideas um that is complemented very much by the art and they work together to to tell something that is I think very it is very literary there's a lot of depth to it there's a lot to sink into I love it and this isn't a series like I find a lot of the um a lot of graphic novels that are kind of hailed as like very literary tend to be based off of literary like books that already exist. But this is like something he created specifically to be in graphic novel form. He pulled a, a James Cameron where he's like, I can't put this in a in a regular book. I have to wait until the medium I need is here. And he's like, graphic novels? Hell yeah. <laughs> I hope that made sense. Maybe you don't know that about James Cameron. Uh, I do. Okay. Explain who he is. Oh, James Cameron is director <laughs> of Avatar, the blue people one, not the, the, the kids show. And um, he he was like, I want to make this movie. I want to make this movie. And he like waited until the movie cinema, like 3D animations had caught up to the place where he's like, okay, we can definitely make this movie happen. And then he did it. <laughs> And then he did it. And everyone was like, oh boy, it seems like a waste of money. And then they watched it and they were like, oh, it's amazing. And then we all kind of forgot about it, but he's still making a bunch of sequels anyway. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. I oh didn't see it. Claw. Here's the thing. Everybody I wanted it. I know. When it came out, everyone's like, you have to see it in 3D. And I never did. And then I was like, they're like, well, you have to see it in 3D. I was like, well, it's not in the theater anymore. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah, it, t- it didn't do a lot for me, but yeah. Oh, someday yeah. we'll do like, I don't know. Someday we'll do, maybe we'll mix it up and do a different medium favorite recommendations. Yes, we should <laughs> put that on the list of to do's. Okay, so our next one, so you are totally jumping around again, genres, <laughs> types of reading. All over the place. Into a mystery um, this book is called A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, and it is a series, book one of the series, by Holly Jackson. The case is closed. Five years ago, schoolgirl Annie, well, not Annie, Andy <laughs> Bell was murdered by Sal Singh. The police know he did it. Everyone in town knows he did it. But having grown up in the same small town that was consumed by the murder, Pippa Fitzamobi isn't so sure. When she chooses the case as the topic for her final year project, she starts to uncover secrets that someone in town desperately wants to stay hidden. And if the real killer is still out there, how far will they go to keep Pip from the truth? That sounds really good. Enjoy, you know, like sort of the, well, this is the the teen detective. The cover is pretty fun. 
it looks it's got these like the red strings all over it like the conspiracy board strings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so that's uh that's fun it sounds like yeah. a lighter murder mystery like not it does yeah, yeah. i like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay the next one is a very well-known book. I mean, we do have to throw a couple classics into the mix in this list. So we have The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. If you haven't read this, I don't know. Did you, like, did you miss it? It's been around for a while. I haven't it's read great. It. What? Nope. I have not read The Outsiders. Wow. Girl, it's good. Your sound just like oh no (laughs) oh no really loud there that's how upset nicole is yeah i haven't read the outsiders yeah so here's the description uh the outsiders is about a is about two weeks in the life of a 14 year old boy the novel tells the story of pony boy curtis and his struggles with right and wrong in a society in which he believes that he is an outsider according to pony boy there are two kinds of people in the world greasers and socias a soch short for social has money can get away with just about anything and has an attitude longer than a limousine a greaser on the other hand always lives on the outside and needs to watch his back Pony Boy is a greaser, and he's always been proud of it, even will even willing to rumble against the gang of socias for the sake of his fellow greasers, until one terrible night when his friend Johnny kills a soch. That murder gets under Pony Boy's skin, causing his bifurcated world to crumble and teaching him that pain feels the same whether a soch or a greaser. Very good. Very, very good. It's got very loving and touching bonds between brothers and guy friends. And it's, uh, I think I read it in like grade seven and I read it a few times after that. And I was like, this is great. Did you read it for school? Oh yeah. (laughs) Everyone does. (laughs) We didn't. I, we didn't read that at my, my grade school, high school, never got around to it. Yeah, it's a good one. So check it out. It's clearly not my, like, it's it's not my favorite, but I might be up there if I actually thought about, I don't think I've ever made a list of my top five books, actually. I don't think I could. Not, well, I haven't really either. Like, you could look at my Goodreads and see which books I've given five stars to, but they're not, that doesn't necessarily mean they're my, like, favorite books of all time. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that episode sometime, too. Mm-hmm. We're getting all these good ideas this episode. We're getting good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this next one um, is called A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tullis. Oh, the author of Rules of Civility, which I have not heard of either, but this is a New York Times bestseller. A transporting novel about a man who is ordered to spend the rest of his life inside a luxury hotel. Oh, how interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm interested already. Okay. A gentleman in Moscow immerses us in another elegantly drawn era with the story of Count Alexander Rostov. When in 1922, he is deemed an unrepentant aristocrat by Bolshevik <laughs> tribunal. The Count is sentenced to house arrest in the Metropole, a grand hotel across the street from the Kremlin. Rostov, an indomitable man of erudition and wit, has never worked a day in his life and must now live in an attic room while some of the most tumultuous decades in Russian history are unfolding outside the hotel's doors. Unexpectedly, his reduced circumstances provide him with a doorway into a much larger world of emotional discovery. 
Brimming with humor, a glittering cast of characters, and one beautifully rendered scene after another, this singular novel casts a spell as it relates to the Count's, as it relates the Count's endeavor to gain a deeper understanding of what it means to be a man of purpose. Interesting. It, Interesting. I mean, it feels like the the less uh, mysterious version of the people trapped in one area that you like. <laughs> yeah. You're like, ooh, I'm intrigued. I wonder why. Oh, he's stuck in a building. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of the um, Tom, Tom Hanks movie from years and years ago, The Terminal, about, yeah, about the, the guy who can't, he can't leave a, um, he can't leave the airport mm-hmm. in that one. But that was actually based on a, a very sad true story. I don't know if this one is based on a true story. It doesn't say so. I don't think so. Some creative fiction. Mm-hmm. Interesting. At first I thought like he's trapped in the Grand Hotel and like, oh, sounds pretty swank. But then it says about how he's like up in the attic. Like, maybe not so swank. <laughs> at the penthouse, the attic. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so maybe not as much fun, actually. No, no. <laughs> uh, Alex and I actually watched The Terminal like a few weeks ago. That's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, I think we watched it like three times together because it's just a really sweet movie. Um, well, Tom Hanks, man. It's- yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Stanley Tucci. This is a, an episode of movie wrecks and book wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> somehow. Yeah, somehow that happened. <laughs> All right. This next one is a biography. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called Born a Crime, Stories from a South African Childhood by Trevor Noah. Uh, so, the memoir of one man's coming of age set during the twilight of apartheid and the tumultuous days of freedom that followed. Trevor Noah's unlikely path from apartheid South Africa to the desk of The Daily Show began with a criminal act, his birth. Trevor was born to a white Swiss, Swiss father and a black Kausa mother at a time when such a union was punishable by five years in prison. Living proof of his parents' indiscretion, Trevor was kept mostly indoors for the earliest years of his life. Bound by the extreme and often absurd measures his mother took to hide him from the government that could, at any moment, at any moment steal him away. Finally liberated by the end of South Africa's ter- tyrannical, I'm struggling with words today, tyrannical white rule, Trevor and his mother set forth on a grand adventure, living openly and freely and embracing the opportunities won by a centuries-long struggle. Born a Crime is the story of a mischievous young boy who grows into a restless young man as he struggles to find himself in a world where he was never supposed to exist. It is also the story of that young man's relationship with his fearless, rebellious, and fervently fervently religious mother his teammate a woman determined to save her son from the cycle of poverty violence and abuse that would ultimately threaten her own life very good and we uh, i'm sure most people know who trevor noah is uh, very very interesting story that he's uh lived yes and he's still quite young like he's got lots more interesting stories to tell i'm sure Mm-hmm. absolutely Cool dude. Yes. Okay. Last one. Last one. And we're going real high fantasy, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like based on that cover. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is a uh, Brandon Sanderson book. And he is a well-known 
bestseller fantasy author. He writes YA and adult books. Um, and this is his book called Warbreaker. <laughs> it is the story of two sisters who happen to be princesses. Aww. The god king one of them has to marry, the lesser god who doesn't like his job, and the immortal who's still trying to undo the mistakes he made hundreds of years ago. Okay. Their world, yeah, their world is one in which those who die in glory return as gods to live confined to a pantheon in Halandrin's capital city and where a power known as biochromatic, okay, biochromatic <laughs> magic is based on an essence known as breath that can only be collected one unit at a time from individual people. By using breath and drawing upon the color in everyday objects, all manner of miracles and mischief can be accomplished. It will take considerable quantities of each to resolve all the challenges facing Vivenna and Ciri, princesses of Idris, Susbron the God King, Light Song, reluctant god of bravery, and mysterious Vasher, the Warbreaker. I was not expecting the magic from colors and breath. No, but uh, I'm here for it. And the uh, cover makes a little more sense. She's literally breathing the colors. <laughs> it does make more sense now. Yeah. I have yeah. not read Brandon Sanderson stuff, which if you've heard my recommendations, uh, surprising, uh, might have to start. <laughs> uh, it sounds really, really cool. Like, like he made up his own stuff. Yes, very, you know, high fantasy, some of those ideas, but very original. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going with the usual, oh, wizard's magic. He was like, what if magic but colors? It's like, let's go all the way with this. Let's <laughs> run with the idea of colors making magic. <laughs> Biochromatic magic. Yeah, why not? <laughs> One unit at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that one's also, I, I can't remember if I said it probably at the beginning, but that one's a series too. Mm-hmm. yes so very cool enjoy, you can dig in mm-hmm. and that's all of our recs for today that was eight recs we had a whole bunch um <laughs> so i guess that's the end of our episode i will wrap up uh, like follow subscribe rate us on whatever you like we're on <laughs> uh, we're on all social medias at tbpl you can find us on podcasts read this next um our show notes are www.tbpl off the shelf in case you missed a title or an author. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening and watching. Bye. Bye. <laughs>